You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. So glad you're with me today. Wherever you're at, if you're driving, if you're folding laundry, if you're going for a walk, I love that we get to spend this time together once a week, that we just get to chat about some of the things of the Word, things that the Lord is putting on my heart that I so desire to be an encouragement and a challenge to you guys to be in your Bibles and and just putting our focus in the right place. I know I have been feeling, probably in particularly lately, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this, in just all the heaviness of the world, and probably if we could go back and listen to the podcast over the last two years or however long we've been doing this, it's probably not the first time that I have said this, but I think we need these little reminders along the way, not in the major course corrections perhaps, but just these little reminders along the way just to kind of encourage us and spur us on to keep going. It's felt sort of like one of those heavy weeks over here at our house, whether it's just things that personal friends, personal friends are going through, difficult things. There's folks that I have talk to that are experiencing either potential job loss or have already lost their job or family members that are sick or passed away. Do you ever just have those days where you feel like, wow, there's just a lot going on in the world? And lots of times that world is is not so far away. It, it's literally like right inside your, your neighborhood and in your church and in your circle, your community of people that you hang out with. And it just can feel so heavy of the people that you are, that you love and care for that are going through difficult times. But as in all things, it's always so important for us to, you know, take our focus back to the word and see what that looks like, even in particularly in these, in these difficult times. And I hate almost saying that phrase because I know it does feel a little bit trite. Don't we always say that? Doesn't everybody think that their day is the most difficult day? And in in some cases, I think when you look through history, I wonder if that was the case for them in that moment. And I'll explain what what I mean here in a minute. But I want to have us reflect a little bit. I'm going to take us to a bunch of scriptures today. But one of them that I wanted to start with is in Esther. We know that famous line, right, guys? The famous line in Esther where Mordecai says, I'm actually probably, I, I, I should just read you the full context, but it's the, for such a time as this, for such a time as this. Do those words ever roll around in your brain? They do for me because I think about that phrase and then I think about the timeless nature of scripture and that it doesn't expire. It's just as relevant for Esther and Mordecai as it was during World War II, as it was during the early stages of our founding of our nation, as it is today. For such a time as this, that the Lord has put us uniquely and called us to this moment for this time. Okay, I'm not trying to sound overly dramatic. It's not really my style. But that's what Scripture says. I want to read this passage to you, and then I want to talk about a couple things with this. So you know the story of Esther, and if you don't, I'll give you a quick little Reader's Digest. If you've not read Esther, and maybe it's just even been a while since you've read Esther, I'd go read Esther. Because any version I might even try to retell this story, A, I'm not that awesome of a storyteller, and B, this is a really unique, perfectly orchestrated story that the Lord puts together in in the book of Esther. It's a real unique book in a couple ways. One of the things that I think is interesting about Esther is God is never mentioned in Esther. There's no record that says 
the name of God in Esther. And yet, he's all over Esther. And you can see how he's working. And you see, even as you go down in history, to see what happened and how how God saved the Jewish people during this time against this King Xerxes and during this time with Haman, that he was absolutely working in all of the things that they were going through, but he's not mentioned here. And that can kind of be telling to us too at times, right? We feel like, man, where is God in this story? Maybe that's how some of the folks, if you, that maybe they even felt that during the time of Esther. Where is God in this during this persecution? Well, I'm sort of getting ahead of myself with the story, but the story of Esther is there is this. I'm going to call him terrible King Xerxes. I haven't done a whole bunch of history on Xerxes, but these kings in ancient days were not, these were not nice guys. These were not nice guys. And we definitely get different hints throughout the story that not only were they pretty brutal kings, they were immoral kings. These were just not the people that we would want to in any way probably be be living in the same household under the same roof. Well, Xerxes is a king that he has his queen, and he decides that he wants to bring his queen in in front of his lords and all of the people during this great big party he's having. And there's only one real reason that you want to parade your queen in front of all the guys that he's having in this party, and it's not for the most noble of purposes, if you catch my drift. So she says, no. She says, nope, I'm not doing it. Well, you you didn't say no to a king like that in that day. You did not do that not and think you were going to live. So he banishes the queen. And, you know, he goes along for a little bit. Again, I'm giving you a terrible Reader's Digest version. But he goes along for a while. And after a while, he's like, well, I kind of like a queen again. And so his advisors give him this brilliant idea in their mind of let's basically have like a glorified beauty pageant kind of thing and find you the best and most beautiful queen we can find. So they do this process and they and they select what they think is going to be the cream of the crop of the of the people at that time. And after the process, we're talking like a year of beauty treatments and it was the full spa deal for these gals. But at the end of the day, the one who is selected is a Jew named Esther. So Esther is called into this very elite role. She's now queen of this kingdom. Fast forward, story goes on. There's a really bad dude named Haman. And Haman has no good up his sleeves. And there's several things that go along the way in the story that I'm going to fast forward through. Again, I'm telling you, read it. It's way better than what I'm going to tell you here. But What happens is that Haman sets up this little situation where the Jews in the province for that time, they're going to be killed. He's going to have them all killed. Well, this poses a very serious problem for Esther, who is a Jew herself, and her uncle who raised her, Mordecai. This causes a real problem for her and her people. What is she going to do in this moment that she's in? Remember, when we talk about these stories of people in the Bible, these were real people real people. Try not to, or rather, should I say, take the caricature that you might have in your mind of the Bible story characters you read and think of them as real people. These are things that really happened. And can you imagine how terrified she must have been when she's getting this news from Mordecai about what's going to happen to her people? Well, she's in a unique role, guys. What is she going to do in this? I want to read this passage because this is where the famous, famous line comes from. And it's in Esther 4, 
And verse 14, and, and Mordecai goes to Esther here, and, and he's basically saying, you need to help us here. You need to do something with this. And he says to her in verse 14, he says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Good question. For such a time as this. I can't imagine what Esther must have been thinking as Mordecai is telling her this. Because, you know, I've not done a great job of going through the history, but you didn't just waltz into the king's, you know, area and say, hey, you know what? I need to talk to you about something. I have a concern and and, and we need to walk through this. That was not how that was done. You had to be called in order to go see the king. You didn't make an appearance, nothing like that. And if you chose to make an appearance, it was very likely, depending on how what the mood was of the day, you could be killed just for showing up and not being called into the king's presence. She knows this. Esther knows. And she, she understands what Mordecai is asking here. She understands that her people's life is literally on the line. But she also knows that, oh, goodness, I am in a very unique position. A couple of things I want to point out about what Mordecai asks her here. Because one thing that he points out is he says that he says relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews. This is what I was talking about when I was saying that the name of God is not in the book of Esther, but his his fingerprint is kind of all over Esther. And this is, I think, one of those examples. He knows that God will preserve his people that God is mighty to save the Jewish people. And he believes in the salvation of the Jewish people, but he's saying that he'll use someone else if you don't step up to this. That's an interesting question we can get ourselves into. Sometimes we can think that, you know, for such a time as this, I've been called to this difficult situation, this difficult trial. And we have choices that we can make in those things. Am I going to obey the thing that I'm being called to do, even though, oh, it's real hard, really don't want to do this? Or am I going to walk away? Well, Mordecai's pointing out this truth that, you know, the Lord's going to preserve his people. The Lord's will, what we're saying here, is that he's going to prevail. The Lord is sovereign, and he is going to do what he chooses in his perfect will to do. But if you are in that position, perhaps you were called for such a time as this, he says, to be used by the Lord in this way. So I wonder in those moments, we know that God can use whoever he wants, and he's used some pretty amazing, and by that I mean like people you would never think. Peter, what they would have considered a pretty uneducated fisherman, yep, he was used in a big way. So he can use absolutely anyone he wants. The question is, is if you aren't obedient to what he asks you to, what will, what will you miss out on? Peter would have been, he could have continued his life and just, you know, been a great fisherman and maybe not so great fisherman, maybe uh, just been stinky with the fish for the rest of his life if he had not come when Jesus called. But he did come. And, and, And you think about that like, man, what would he have missed out on? And I think of that in Esther's shoes. This is a terrifying situation that she's in. But you asking yourself the question of, of, should I obey this? How will the Lord be glorified in this situation? And as you re- read the rest of Esther, you can and see how that works out. And it's, a, again, an amazing story. The next thing I want to read in this passage is Esther's response to this, because I also think this is really cool. It says in continuing in Esther 4, starting in verse 15, it says, after Mordecai says this for such a time as this, which can we just say, no pressure, right? 
for such a time as this, this is your moment, you know. But then verse 15 says, then Esther told them, because it was the servants that were relaying Mordecai's message, and says, Esther told them to reply to Mordecai and said, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Okay, that's her response. Here's what I think is cool about this. The first thing she does is she is decisive. She says, here's what I'm going to do. I don't know if I would have been able to be that decisive in that moment. But she, according to this, how it reads is she was she was decisive and she said, go tell him this. Now, so she's decisive and she says, this is what you need, what I want you to tell him. And then the next part she does is she says, get everybody together to pray. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. And what I love about that is, so she she makes this decision, but then by her second thing that she does of gathering everybody to pray, you can tell it's not like she has a great plan in her mind of like, oh, this is exactly how this is going to go down and this is going to be great. And I'm not worried about this at all. Nope. She's decisive, but then she secondly seeks the Lord. And I love that she doesn't just seek the Lord on her own. She calls people together to pray and to fast. Not just her people, you know, that are there in the in the palace with her, but she asks for Mordecai and all of the people that he's with to be fasting and praying. Daniel does the same thing. Remember in in Daniel when they're when he is supposed to interpret the king's dream? And it says that he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he had them come, and they all prayed and sought the Lord together that the Lord would reveal the dream to him. There is just that action right away of seeking the Lord, but not just seeking the Lord individually, having people come around and pray. I wonder how much we need that right now. When you're struggling in the trials that we are facing right now, I believe and I hope that you are seeking the Lord personally. As you walk through your day, constantly just have a conversation with the Lord all the time. Be doing that. But also call the people that are in the trenches with you. Call those folks that you can just count on to be praying. I find sometimes that the people that I call to just be praying alongside me might not even be people that I see very much on a regular basis, but they're they're those that I know that I know that I know will be praying for me if I ask. And it's such a simple thing, guys. It, I mean, you can you can shoot a text. You know, some people don't actually use their phones for calling anymore. But how simple it is to shoot a text to someone and say, hey, would you be praying? You don't even have to fill in a lot of the details, guys. You just need to be asking the crew that the Lord has given you right now to be praying. And I think we see a biblical model for that in several places in Scripture. And here's this is one of them here in Esther. But I also like that her response, the decisiveness, asking them to pray, but it does, she just doesn't waver with what she's going to do, even though she knows the consequences of what she's saying here. She says that third thing, she says, then I will go. And she says, even though it is against the law, she knows that what she's about to do is going to break the law. I'm going to go against the law to do this. And then she says, again, totally resolute, if I perish, I perish. I know, you know, you read Esther and it sounds like, well, that's kind of, it's, it's a dramatic story. And maybe even it feels like almost reads more like a movie a little bit. I think it does sometimes. But this courage that we see in her, and again, she's not an actress here. She is a real person that the Lord used for such a time as this. And she goes into this, this situation decisively, prayerfully, 
and just with great courage, knowing full well what the consequences may be. Psalm 31, 14 through 15, it says, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. I think we hear that echoes of that here in the story with Esther. My times are in your hands. You know, hopefully we're not in a situation where we literally think that our life is on the line. Most of us are probably not in that situation quite yet. But when I think about the saints in the Christians in the Middle East, in Afghanistan, those stories have taken on a whole lot of color for me. That's just a story I can't look away from. After the things that we've learned in the last few months of what those folks are going through, those are real people. They might not be your next door neighbor, but they literally have their life in the balance. And they are literally having to think about the the actions that they may take and have this sort of resolute courage that says, if I perish, I perish. It seems too much, right? When you think about the the people in Afghanistan, you think, oh, I, I could never have that kind of courage. Or you think about Esther, no, I could never have that kind of courage. But let's take us back to that phrase again, for such a time as this. Perhaps your life isn't literally on the line, but regardless of the situation that you're in right now, you were placed in that moment, in this moment, uniquely by the Lord. He didn't make a mistake and go, oh, I I meant actually for Amy to be born in 1955, June Cleaver days. That's what I meant. No, he did not make a mistake. He uniquely put us here right now. I think this is an encouragement to me, and I, I keep repeating this to myself often, maybe even as a parent. Sometimes parenting can feel pretty overwhelming, and you're thinking, um, uh, okay, this is a situation I do not know how to tackle. What am I going to do for this? Am I? Are you sure, Lord, I'm the right mom to speak into this child's life? It's not going anywhere. You know, I, I'm, I'm talking, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to, you know, make sense of this, but I don't think I'm getting through. Maybe I, the, I'm not the right mom. Wrong. We are absolutely the right person to be in that situation. Maybe you're in a really, really difficult work situation. The Lord placed you there. Perhaps you have been placed for such a time as this. Seek the Lord about what that purpose may be. Our times are in his hands. He did not make a mistake. I'm going to read you a couple scriptures on this because I love to be reminded about what we think our life is, but really keeping our eyes on what the Lord has determined. So a couple different versions. So I'll tell you in case you look it up in your Bible and go, whoa, that's not what it says to me. But I love it. Proverbs 16, 9 in the New Living Translation says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Okay. We, we see this all the time, right? We can plan our list. We know exactly how we want this day to go. But it's that second part of that proverb, the Lord determines the steps. What I love about this reminder is you notice it doesn't say the Lord determines the result, the Lord determines the race, the Lord, no, it's it's not the end goal necessarily. We could have a different conversation about the Lord's will and how he moves that through your life. and But this is specifically, he determines the steps, the little tiny steps along the way. When I think of steps to something, I think of Lego instructions that if I'm being quite honest, I really didn't read very much when I was putting those together with my kids. Kind of just didn't have the patience for it. But if you skip some of those steps, you're probably, something's going to break anyway. 
But there are these small, tiny, minute steps. You know, grab this little red one that has the two pieces on it, and, and you get that. And then you get this. There are little, tiny, detailed steps. It's saying the Lord determines that. The Lord determines these tiny little steps along the way for the direction that he has us to go. Also in the New Living Translation, Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I pulled that from the NLT. The NLT does add every detail. Others say plans steps and plans the path, but every detail. And and why I, I like that version to reflect on that, just to be reminded of how specific the Lord is to our situation. It's not like there's something going on that that he doesn't know. Like, oh, well, Lord, if you actually understood all of the backstory here, then you would you would know, you know, you would make a different determination for this next step. He knows every single detail along the way. That in the King James Version, that Psalm 37, 23, it reminds us that our steps are ordered. And I love this too, because there is so much order and structure to the Lord, and he has He has a methodical plan. Maybe it's just my type A, you know, planner self that just really likes to know that there is an order to something. But God is a God of order. He really is. And he is ordering each little detailed step that we might take. 1 Samuel 2.9 says, He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. And then it goes on and says, It is not by strength that one prevails. I like this reminder because it might seem that the steps that we're taking feel a little unguarded. Like this feels like a real treacherous step to take, Lord. But as we are seeking the Lord with what his purpose and his plans are and doing as as Esther did, you know, we're being decisive, but then we're quickly, we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord about what you want. And then we're going to be obedient to that because that's what she does next. I will go whether I perish or not. But he guards the feet of his faithful. He's protecting your steps. He's not sending you to walk out on the gravel without your shoes on. He's got some, you know, some solid, good fall boots for you to walk in as you're walking across that rocky road. He's guarding your feet, guarding the feet of his faithful servants. But then I think that next part that I read there, the last part of the first Samuel 2, 9, it is not by strength that one prevails. That is a powerful reminder. And I think for most of us right now, feeling like we have all kinds of strength and that we totally got this is probably not the thing that we're struggling with right now. If you're like me, you're, you're probably more on the side of, man, Lord, I, I feel weak. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to navigate this, these waters. This is new to me. I don't feel like I got it all together. That's probably more where we are landing right now. But it is a really good reminder that it's not our strength that is going to win the day. The Lord, the one who guards our feet, the one who orders our steps, the one who determines each and every detail of our day, of our month, of our year, he has it all written out and he knows what it is. That is comforting to me because it can feel like so many things are out of control, but it's not out of control. The Lord is in perfect control. 
I mentioned earlier that I do wonder if there have been people throughout history that thought their day was the absolute possible, the absolute worst. It could not be worse. This is terrible. And some of these folks I can think of, I can't really think of a worse situation. I, I think of Corrie Ten Boone, who went to concentration camps and how she hid Jews. And that was not a good day. Terrified for her life and then put in prison. And that had to feel in those moments like no day can be worse than this. And I think that's, again, what I love about the story of Esther. You can put that story and there's just this timeless nature that Corrie ten Boone was called for such a time as this. During that season in Germany, in World War II, she was called to that. What about, I think of Wilberforce, if you've ever studied Wilberforce and the movement that went on to get rid of slavery and bring awareness to that and all the the work. And it was amazing, the turnaround and the impact that he made for such a time as this. Slaves were being treated horribly. The slave trade was uh, was inhumane. And, and he called attention to the travesty of that and brought awareness, put a biblical perspective on the value of life, and made a huge impact for such a time as this. That day could not have seemed like an impossible day. Churchill is one of my absolute favorite historical characters, and I shouldn't say character because he was a real human, one of my most favorite historical heroes to study. I've read a ton of books on Churchill. I am that kind of nerd, guys. But he, not a perfect man. Like, certainly, if you study Churchill, you're not going to pull away any theology nuggets there. But he was very uniquely suited, and I believe that the Lord used him for a moment in history that he was placed there for in a real dark time. But uh, for such a time as this moment, Rosa Parks, there's another good one, Rosa Parks, sitting on that bus for such a time as this, very hostile. She saw people being treated terribly all the time during the civil rights movement. And she has her for such a time as this moment. I wonder if we're going to have those. You may be called to even a dramatic for such a time as this moment. That's possible. But I actually think we all have our small, maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but we all have our for such a time as this moment. Because the Lord doesn't make mistakes. And he called us to be in the situation that we're in right now, to be obedient to what he has for us. I think perspective is a very powerful thing when you are in moments that feel hard, feel overwhelming. And I want to read out of Romans 8. Start in verse 35. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are all being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he just gives us this amazing encouragement at the end. Verse 37, no, in all these things, all what things? All these things that he just said, you know, the tribulation, the distress, the persecution, all of that. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a great encouragement to us, that we are more than conquerors, but not because of our own strength. 
First Samuel said, it's our strength that's not going to, that won't be the thing that prevails. It's in Christ, the one who loved us. That is where we are more than conquerors. That sounds real churchy, that, you know, we're more than conquerors through Christ. It will sound churchy if you don't really think about what that's saying and think about where you're keeping your eyes on. Because if you're if you're watching your situation and the trouble that you are in, it's going to feel like very much in the here and now. But I think our job is to make sure that we have an eternal mindset, reminding ourselves that all of this now is just, it's so fleeting. It's so quick and it's gone. I'm certain I did not see that the way I understand that now when I was in, you know, high school or even my 20s. Nope. Like that just seemed like something older people said that like, oh, life is so short and, you know, make it count and all of this stuff. And that just, you just kind of nod and smile and sure, okay. Well, and then you have kids and everybody says, oh, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. I mean, the person in the Target checkout tells you that. Everybody tells you, oh, just cherish these memories. It goes so fast. And you're, you kind of nod and you smile like, yeah, okay, okay. I'm not sleeping at night, so I don't really know what you're talking about. But And then all of a sudden, you do have, you have your oldest graduate from high school. And you went, oh, wow. Yep, that went pretty quick. Or then as you get a little bit older and you have family members that pass away, you're like, oh, it just seems like I just had them for a moment. How are they possibly gone? How did that go so quick? Or have you, or if you have sat in and talked to a grandparent or someone who has lived a whole lot of life and they just remark about, it's so quick. It's so quick. If you're 20 and you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you don't hear those as just the cliches. Oh, this is what my mom or grandma always says that, you know, this earth is so fast. It's actually what the Bible says. That this time that we have right now, is it's just a blip on the radar for what we have in eternity. I remember when my dad died, something that just so stuck with me at the graveside service, this pastor whom I, I did not know very well, he was uh, part of my dad's church down in Texas, but he made a statement about my, my dad when he, when he died was 64. And he said something to the effect of, you know, we've had... Kelly here for 64 years, and his family has loved him each of those years. But the days that are coming that we get to love him and be with him in eternity is forever. This is this is the short part. This is nothing for all the good days that are coming that we get to be in heaven. So much more. This is this is just this tiny little preface to the book. And the rest, we have the whole rest of the library that's waiting for us someday. Our minds have a hard time wrapping around this, and this isn't new to us. I think in John 4, I think about the woman this, the, at the well who is going to the well to get water. And Jesus, and she's going there for it because she wants her earthly needs taken care of, right? She, she knows she has a physical need to drink water. We need water. And Jesus says to her, he says, if only you'd ask me for some living water. And what he's meaning by that is eternal life. That's the living water. Our temporal brains here have struggled to get that through our brains. 
of that, you know, that the here and now, the things that we can touch and feel and the water we drink, the food that we eat, all the things that we think we need, we need, we need. Well, the Lord knows what we need physically. And there's lots of places uh, that you look in the Gospels where it talks about not a sparrow drops to the ground without him knowing. He knows he will care for us. He knows our physical needs. But even more so, he knows that it's the eternal, it's the living water that never runs out that we really need. I love that in New Testament, he's giving us these examples, reminding us of feeding the eternal need that we have, not just for our physical needs right now. Philippians 3.20 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. I am a very proud American from Wyoming, just as patriotic as it comes. Just love it. But we have to remember, as important as that may be, and how we love to honor our country and, and those things, our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. And keeping that in this, this same vein of, you know, we're here but for a moment, but our citizenship in heaven will be for eternity. I have to add, too, and, I, you know, I'm sure most people, if you've tuned into this podcast, you already have a love for Jesus. And I hope that you have this sense of your how much you need Jesus, that you have that eternal hope that we only have by accepting who Jesus is of repenting of our sins and knowing that he died for that sin. And because of his sacrifice, we get to be with him in heaven forever. And I cannot wait for that day. Most of you probably listening to this, that's something you've accepted. And you absolutely just are can't wait for that day. You're with me. You, you cannot wait for that day that we get to be in eternity together in heaven with Jesus. But I also just, I don't want to miss an opportunity to remind you guys of, uh, man, uh, the Starbucks person that you got your coffee from today or the person you got your groceries from today, just strangers. I'm not telling you to go be weird and, you know, just start, you know, just pulling people aside left and right to preach the gospel to them. But we can say so much in our testimony, even by how we we treat others, by how we just smile at them and our countenance to each other. But then please don't let it stop there. I found the other day as I was pulling away from the Starbucks drive through window, and you know how you're talking to somebody sometimes, and and I always try to be really smiley, especially if somebody's in a mask and, you know, I'm sitting in the comfort of my car with no mask. I just want to, like, be even more smiley to them. How are you doing today? And the person responded, and he was like, I'm okay. And you know how when you just, just, you just feel like, I don't really know that you're okay, you know? And this individual, his name was Alice, but I could tell he was a guy. And so when he said to me, I'm okay, I just, you know that he's probably not okay. He's probably really hurting. And it just stopped me as I, as I pulled away. I just, I don't know, hopefully I didn't come off as too weird to the guy, but I just smiled at him and I just thought, I hope you have such a good day. And pulled away and just prayed for him. Because regardless of who that person is, everybody's going through things. And particularly if you're living right now in 2021 and you do not know Jesus during all of this stuff that's going on, oh goodness, 
There's fear. There's hurt. There's sadness. There's people that are losing loved ones and they have no hope. They don't have any hope. Don't forget the hope that you have that you can share with other people. Nothing could be more sad than knowing that you're we're just here for this moment. Maybe some of it's good, maybe some of it's bad, but it's just a moment. But where we are in eternity, that really, really matters. That really matters. So pray for your friends and family that don't know Jesus. If the Lord gives you an opportunity to share who he is, then do that. Be obedient to that. Maybe for such a time as this, you were put in that conversation with that person to bring them to eternity, to lead them to Jesus. I'm going to end with one verse uh, or a couple verses here in Revelation, because here we go, guys. This is going to have to just be the most hopeful four verses I think we're going to hear. This is what we're headed for. This is eternity right here. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's what we've just been talking about. It's going to be done. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear away from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If you're a believer, you cannot read those four verses and not have the biggest smile on your face because If you've accepted Christ, that is where we're headed. So for now, while we're waiting, while we're we're still in this place of, hey, Lord, how are you going to use me during this little time out that we have here in the sake of eternity? How are you going to use me right now? Use it wisely. Use it. But keep in perspective just the hope of heaven. Keep your mind on the things that are of eternal consequence, not the things that are just the things that, yes, I'm not saying they're not hard here. They are, but it's it's not where we're headed for eternity. This Revelation 21, 1 through 4, that's what we have to look forward to. So in the in-between, let's just take these moments for realizing the Lord did not make mistakes. He uniquely put you right where you're at for such a time as this. Be decisive about what the Lord has for you to do. Seek the Lord being very prayerful about how he wants you to walk these days. Make your plans knowing, though, that he is the one that orders your steps, submitting yourself to that, and then just having courage that our faith is in Jesus. It's not in what happens to us in this world. Our faith is with him for such a time as this. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at